Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to uh, Cork today on what is going to be another warm, warm day. But enjoy because there certainly is going to be a little bit of a change to the weather from tomorrow onwards temperatures down a little bit cooler blustrier a uh, little bit of rain not a lot of rain though I'm trying to see there's a rain weather forecast there because uh, listening on the news could be a host pipe ban uh, coming in we might get to that look at that a little bit uh, later on in the programme but we certainly had a glorious weekend for a bank holiday weekend and yet it was another bank holiday weekend in lockdown we're kind of getting used to these bank holiday weekends now in lockdown if you've anything you want to share with us did you get up to anything at the weekend were you able to get up to anything within your five kilometre limit those that are living by the sea no doubt you got out there was gorgeous pictures on certainly on social media over the weekend and all of the newspapers today showing fantastic pictures of people enjoying the fine weather and getting out and about at the sea and getting to the seaside and getting to the parks and the lakes uh, etc I mean we stayed home we had another weekend in the garden that I have a garden to sit out in but it did there was just such great warmth in the sun there was times like you felt you were away on a continental holiday it really was great it's, I mean it's something that we always say isn't it I mean there's this country there's no better place to be than in this country when the sun shines and wouldn't it be great if we did get really good weather for the rest of the summer months, uh, particularly as the hotels and the restaurants start to reopen, and you know, wouldn't there, there might be a slim chance for the tourism sector that they'd be able to get back some of 
the 2020 tourist season and you know I'm certainly hopeful that a lot of people will start to staycation and a lot of people will look to Ireland to go away on a holiday and you know if the sun is shining as I say there is no better place so hopefully you had a lovely weekend um, let us know as I say if there's anything in particular you got up to over the weekend that you want to share with us the one thing that I did last night I watched Normal People on BBC it's the final two episodes they're going to be shown on RTE uh, tonight and if you've been following it I you have the tissues ready is all I'll say for the final two uh, episodes I know lots of people binge watched it I kind of made a decision at the start when I started to watch it that I wouldn't download it and watch it all in, in one or two set, set settings because I, I had something to look forward to every week because I knew every Monday night that it was it was coming on or Tuesday night whatever night I opted to watch it on so it was something kind of to look forward to I was almost dreading the last two episodes because I didn't want it to end and I have a copy of the book now so I'm looking forward to reading the book because there's bits missing obviously in the 12 part series where they jump and you think oh that's got to be in the book there's got to be an explanation as to what happens there so I, I'm certainly now looking forward to reading the book but if you if you have been following it and you've the last two episodes uh, tonight as I say have the uh, tissues uh, ready and of course Paul Meskel who's become such a superstar the, the lead of uh, normal people thought it was a lovely thing that he did where he's and you can still get involved in this the chain that he's wearing around his neck has taken on a life of his own it actually has an Instagram account with 163,000 followers so Paul Meskel decided to do something uh, so he decided to auction the the, the I don't know if it's the chain that he's wearing in the show because I heard him being interviewed over the weekend and I heard him say that he's auctioning a chain of his. So I don't know if it's the one that he wore in the chain because I thought the leading lady, the girl who plays Marianne, I saw her being interviewed on, I think it was on the Graham Norton show and I thought she said that she had the chain. Anyway, what Paul Meskell has decided to do is to auction a chain of his that was worn around his neck and I think that's what's important to the young people who have fallen in love with Paul Meskell after normal people so he's done it as a fundraiser for Pieta House because obviously Pieta House lost their flagship fundraiser Darkness into Light uh, this year and that's left a huge significant gap in their funding so Paul Meskell decided to do something and he said he would raffle the chain in aid of the uh, charity and if you've been following normal people you know that it deals with mental health and you know that the character of Connell that he plays in it goes through depression he ends up going for uh, counselling and he said that Pieter on a personal level is very close to his heart having experienced loss due to suicide in his local town when he was growing up so he knows the great work of uh, Pieter House so he said he was you know only too happy to help out in any way that he can so if you go on to Pieter House onto their website rpieta.rallyup.com there is a raffle and you simply make a donation and everybody then who donates gets entered into the raffle for the chain and I think if it's it's 10 euro I think is the minimum spend is what they're hoping people spend and that gives you 10 tickets into the raffle but obviously if you donate 100 euro you'll get 100 tickets into the raffle and you can enter that raffle up to and until the eight, uh, June the 8th and then they're, they're going to raffle it off it was just I, I, I just thought it was one of those absolutely amazing shows but as I say uh, I really am looking forward to reading the book 
because there's gaps but there always is isn't there always gaps if you've ever read a book and then it becomes a movie or becomes a mini series there's always bits uh, missing uh, in it Anthony says Normal People was an uh, an amazing show uh, and it really shows what goes on and what young people are experiencing today and the different types of families people come from that's a really good point Paul Meskell highlighting anxiety and uh, depression uh, was really powerful indeed I hope there is a series too but in order for there to be a series too there needs to be a second book there's only been one book now it ends in such a way that there could there certainly could be a uh, second book and the other thing across the weekend that I have to say I spent a lot of time and you couldn't help but watch and that was what was coming out of America the scenes coming out of America it was just uh, shocking in America America uh, was braced for further protests last night and of course the autopsy that had been commissioned by the family of George Floyd found that he died from asphyxiation while being restrained by a police officer last week but I don't suppose there was any surprise in the autopsy report. The report said the cause of death was homicide caused by asphyxia due to neck and back compression and led to a lack of blood flow to the uh, to the brain. Um, just Absolutely. The, I mean, the video evidence of it, you know, that nobody needed an autopsy to show what that poor man died of, for sure. But it, I was interested to see that his brother, George Floyd's brother, uh, has come out and asking people to um, stop protesting and to uh, pleading for peace uh, on the streets uh, because there's literary violence and the violence now is running uh, coast uh, to coast. Curfews were in place in dozens of cities across America again last night. Uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who we've all got to know from his daily reports on COVID-19, he announced a curfew for the city. He had to deploy 4,000 extra guards onto the street after hundreds were arrested in Sunday night's demonstration in Washington, D.C. The mayor there imposed a 7pm curfew following chaotic scenes outside the White House while the President was inside. Cars were overturned. They were set on fire. A fire broke out at the historic St. John's uh, Church. Looting and destruction uh, continued right into the night in Atlanta. Protests took place for a third consecutive evening, though peaceful protests also took place in cities across the state of Georgia, including Augusta, Savannah, as Georgia uh, also remained under a state of emergency. And then early in the day, the mayor of Atlanta announced that two police officers had been fired and three had been switched to desk duty. That was due to excessive use of force on Saturday. And that was the video scene. You probably saw this on TV or on social media over the weekend of the two local students who were being pulled out of their vehicle. That was just a shocking, shocking scene. And then Los Angeles, they witnessed protests and looting throughout uh, Sunday. Widespread looting and attacks on businesses unfolded in the Santa Monica area. Area, while police cars were set alight in other parts of the city, police began arresting people still on the street after six o'clock curfew. And then st- states just continued to grapple with the largest mass, pro- uh, mass protests in uh, decades. And you think that this is happening in a country that is already finding it really hard to deal with COVID-19 and you fear straight away when you see the large numbers of people out on the street, you straight away start to think of, my God, there's going to be a second wave of coronavirus in the States uh, for sure. And other countries now 
are getting involved in protesting over the death of George Floyd and there was about a thousand people took part in a Black Lives Matter which was a solidarity uh, protest in Dublin uh, yesterday and I think there's to be other uh, protests uh, around the country this week and it's it's opening up I saw there was a huge protest in London and in Manchester yesterday as well so it's becoming it's almost becoming a worldwide movement now the death of uh, George Floyd in a police custody in Minneapolis but it's just as I say truly shocking the scenes coming out of America and I can see one of our listeners Mara saying I'm so thankful every single day to be here in my adopted country of Ireland away from the United States riots Covid cheetah man enough said thank you Ireland said uh, Mara Uh, yeah it's just and we all have family and friends living in America so we all are are touched very much touched by what is uh, going on over there and hopefully hopefully peace will uh, reign and they'll listen to George Floyd's brother to say you know that man has died and and he has got to be remembered uh, of course but nobody wants him to be remembered in this way and of course if the protests continue the real sad news is that more people uh, will die. 1850 John Paul is on a couple of days off so we have Bernie and Sadie taking your calls today if there's any anything you want to share with us we'd love to hear from you as always you can text or whatsapp the programme to uh, 0862 uh, 103 103 and our latest COVID-19 uh, results uh, for yesterday one more uh, person has passed away uh, due to COVID-19 so that's 1,650 uh, very sad deaths have taken place in this country but again there was just one was announced yesterday but remember previous Monday we did zero deaths and we were here actually on the Tuesday morning saying that this was great news but I did say it comes with always a piece of caution because after the weekend the lowest numbers are always reported on a Monday because of the way deaths are reported over the weekend so we could have that number uh, going up uh, today and then there was a further 77 new cases were announced uh, yesterday but the 77 new cases was the 10th day in a row in which the number of new cases reported remained below uh, 100 so that's got to be welcomed but the number of new creases has increased daily over the weekend every day it went up I think it was the lowest it was at 33 it's back up to uh, 77 so we still you know we still have to proceed with great caution Tony Houlihan though saying on another good news story 90% of patients have recovered but you know he is saying more work needs to be done and of course as restrictions are easing and we begin to resume social and economic life we must we all have to do everything that we can so that we don't get a second wave. Now we didn't get that initial first wave, thank God, but what we need to make sure is that a wave doesn't arrive that we'll then be calling the second wave. So he said it's vital that we continue to practice hand and cough hygiene, social distancing with the additional hygiene measure of face covering in appropriate settings and he said it's also important to give space to our vulnerable people when they're out and about. He said we must continue to do all that we can to interrupt the spread of the uh, virus and of course by this time next week we will be into phase two and we'll have more shops and more businesses open. There was talk across the weekend I mean listen to some of the things coming out from the government that some of what's been planned for say phase three or phase four could be moved moved back. So next week you know the end of this week when we hear are we ready to go into phase two and what's going to reopen uh, there could be additional 
businesses able to reopen next Monday. We will know more by next Friday and as we eased through uh, this this weekend. But of course, there's always going to be a fear factor when businesses start to uh, reopen. And there's an interesting study that I came across where three in four Irish people are concerned about resuming normal activities. Things like going to the cinema, going to the theatre, going on public transport. The survey shows that some people are going to be nervous uh, about it. And the study really is highlighting for businesses how hard it's going to be for them to resume operations. It isn't going to be just as easy as a business deciding I'll throw open my front door on whatever day they're allowed to do it and everything will be back to normal. Because of this, I think, anxiety on behalf of people. Um, and certainly, we I'd be hearing on this programme and talking to people, some people are nervous about, you know, what is our new normal going to be like? What is life going to be like when all of the restrictions are easy? But some of the stats coming out of this study are quite high. For example, 78% 78 of people said they'd be uncomfortable going to the cinema, the idea of being in an enclosed space for two, uh, three hours. 76% said they'd be anxious about returning to the gym. That figure I find high because I thought the gym buddies would be mad to get back into the gym, but it doesn't seem that's that's the case. 74% said they'd be concerned about going for a night out in a bar and 73% said they'd be worried about going on a bus or a train. 70% were uncomfortable with the idea of going into a restaurant. 68% said they'd be nervous about trying on clothes in a clothes store. Now, this one surprised me. 61% said that go, they'd be nervous about going to the hairdresser. I I was really surprised by that one. And 38 uh, says they're anxious about going to grocery stores, even though 24% said they're already going to grocery stores. But even when they're in grocery stores, they're very nervous about doing doing it. And, um, you know, and, and this is this is before establishments have even been given the opportunity to show how they're going to prioritise people's safety. And that, I think, is what every business is going to do. I mean, if you even look at the supermarkets and what supermarkets have done to make sure that people are as safe as possible, the fact that we queue outside the supermarket to get in, the fact that, you know, it's one in, one out. When you're in the supermarket, then it is there are signs all over the place and it is very much up to individual people to keep back. And certainly I've noticed in the majority of people, I think, are good about standing back and, you know, allowing people if somebody is taking something from a shelf and you're waiting to take something, you wait for that person to move on. Now, you're always going to get people that will be right on top of you, but we're never going to we're never going to get 100% compliance uh, with it. And certainly, I think for restaurants, restaurants are doing everything that they possibly can to make sure when people, when they are open and back up for business, that it will be a very safe in, environment. And of course, it's absolutely in the businesses interest to make sure everybody is safe because nobody wants a case whereby you go to some whatever business it is or service or establishment and you discover that you get COVID-19 there. I mean, it would destroy the business. So businesses are going to be doing everything in their power to make sure that their staff members and that their customers that they're serving are going to be as safe as possible. But I think it's going to be a very slow start and there will be some people that will take that will take some time for them to get back out to leading some kind of a normal life. But what is our new normal life going to look like? 1850 Sadie and Bernie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 
103 Where I mentioned Paul Meskel and normal uh, people the last two parts on RTE tonight. A uh, listener by text saying, was Paul Meskel in an ad in a bus stop? And P.S. I hated the programme. Oh, oh. Well, I suppose it's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, Paul Meskel was. He was known for the ad. The it was the Denny Sausages ad where he picks up the globe and goes to Ballyhawness and he ends up on the on the bus at the end. It's for uh, it was for Denny Sausages is is what the ad is for. So yes, uh, you correctly spotted him in that particular ad. As to what people got up at the weekend, Jane says here at Ballylicky, I had a lovely weekend. Lots of early and evening walks. And you're a wise woman to do that and it would be the same today. Get out early or go out late because it's going to be very, very hot in the middle of the day uh, today. So uh, so do uh, bear that in mind. And when I read that report about people who are nervous and some people are going to be nervous about going back out after lockdown, well, for the majority of people, they can't wait for lockdown. They can't wait for these easing restrictions. There will be a proportion of people nervous about resuming normal activities again. And there was a high percentage of people who said they'd be nervous about travelling on public transport like buses and and trains. Well, a Cork City listener says, Hi Tricia, please get the message out to people and tell them, please do not be nervous about using buses as they are scrupulously clean several times a day. And that's from a Cork City listener. I saw one of the, I think it was the Limerick... Cork bus. Does that go all the way to Galway as well? The, is it the Cork Galway the expressway bus? I saw it parked in the bus stop yesterday. Uh, the, you know, they were waiting to, if anybody, there was nobody getting on the bus from what I could see. And when I looked on the bus, there appeared to be only one person on it. So I don't know how many people are actually using buses at the moment. I mean, I absolutely accept so many people u- using buses because people aren't at work, people aren't at college uh, and all of that. But I just couldn't believe that there, there was this huge, you know, expressway bus with one person sitting on it. And I don't know if it was the one person for the whole of the journey or not or whether people got off the bus uh, in Mallow but it just seemed very strange to see see only one person and the bus driver on the bus. Uh, hi Patricia, it was a breath of fresh air to watch Michael D. Higgins on The Late Late Show. Uh, wasn't he just fantastic? Uh, anyway, this text says he is a decent man. He wasn't impressed with our government's decimation of the less well-off in society. There's one law for the rich and a totally different law for the less well-off. It should be investigated. I'd be the first in there if someone was to uh, investigate but what a decent man uh, Michael D. Higgins uh, is and it's just when I watched him on The Late Late you could just we can be so proud of our president he's such a fantastic man and then I saw him on social media out walking with his two you know those two massive dogs uh, that he has and he was strolling around Orsa Nukhtron obviously which is in the Phoenix Park and there was I think there were some members of the Chamber Orchestra and they had, they were in the middle of the Phoenix Park social distancing and just playing gorgeous music and he came out with his little sort of straw hat on him and his two dogs and he stood and waved his hat at them and was almost conducting them and it was just gorgeous it was just gorgeous yeah he's a he's a delightful man and a president we can be extremely proud of 1850 333 103 Sadie and Bernie taking your calls Court today on C103 call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 Now an online survey of carers by Family Carers Ireland shows how the lockdown has added more psychological pressure to an already vulnerable group the COVID-19 uh, crisis. Uh, Catherine Cox is Head of Communications with uh, Family Carers Ireland and Catherine joins me. Good morning to you, Catherine. 
Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're, you're very welcome to the programme. And I have to say, I read your report on Friday uh, evening and I, I don't know if I should have left it until last night because it... It was it was so upsetting in parts to read it that I spent the weekend at various stages across the weekend uh, thinking of carers because some of the responses, I mean, were, make for very upsetting reading. I mean, many of these carers, Catherine, were already under pressure way before lockdown ever happened. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we've been saying it probably, and you've heard us saying it for the last few years, thousands of carers were struggling before COVID-19 because... They weren't getting the financial support. They weren't getting the support for their own physical and mental health. Um, they weren't getting respite. Um, we did a survey last year and close to 80% of carers did not have access to respite, appropriate respite for their loved ones. So then, you know, to put this group into the middle of a pandemic where, as you said, a lot of their services now are completely gone, like day centres are closed, respite centres are closed, schools, for particularly children or adults with special needs, they're all gone. So um, family carers who are already struggling are really having, I suppose, a very difficult time. And acknowledge that everybody in society is going through very difficult days um, with what is happening, I suppose. But for for family carers, and particularly as I said, for those caring for children or adults with um, intellectual disability or special needs, a lot of the parents have said to us that they are literally seeing their children you know, regress before their eyes. So, um, they and that's really difficult. Getting worse, it is. That's really difficult that. because many of those parents would have worked so hard to help yes. their children, and then to watch it slowly go, to watch their children slowly go Unravel. backwards. Yeah, it's just. Mm, it is. And are carers then worried about contracting COVID nineteen, or of their their loved one that they're looking after? Are they fearful of them getting it? Absolutely. Um, and in this survey, eighty four percent. Um, of the carers who uh, completed the survey said they were worried that they might get the virus themselves and so they wouldn't be able to care. And a similar percentage said they were worried, obviously, that their loved one might contact this pandemic. And a lot of the people that they care for would be vulnerable um, to something like uh, COVID-19. But, uh, you know, to say as well that uh, I would have to say family carers have played a really significant role in suppressing the virus um, and their contribution through these times should absolutely be applauded. They have cocooned, they have stayed at home, they have protected the people they're caring for. When they couldn't get PPE equipment, you know, they, they went out and got it elsewhere. They didn't get it because they weren't treated as frontline service care line workers. Um, but, you know, through ourselves, we were able to provide them with PPE, so they were able to protect themselves. So they have done an amazing job through very, very difficult times. Um, but the thing that we always say is that, like, nobody should have to do that on their own. Nobody should have to care alone. So they do need to be supported. They do, do and they should have been protected from the very start of this virus by providing most basic support, such as PPE. But unfortunately, that didn't happen quickly enough. And is it the lack of routine that's causing challenging behaviour in, in many of the people who responded to your survey? It, it is partly that, but it is also that they have lost um, therapy. So they've lost physiotherapy, they've lost speech and language therapy, they've lost behavioural therapies, which means that um, particularly, again, for a child or spe- uh, an adult with special needs, if they were having 
um, support such as uh, challenging behaviour therapy, they were getting to deal with that so that the parent and the child um, were able to work some through of those challenging behaviours um, and see how they can react to them and sometimes how they can prevent them. But they've lost those services and those supports. So, so for family carers now, what they really do need to see is a roadmap as to how all of these services and supports will be reinstated. When will their, you know, schools open, but when will the services come back? When will the in-home support come back into the home? And I know the HSE are writing to families at the moment who would have lost um, some of their home help or home support services, saying that they may be coming back over the coming weeks, which is a good thing. Um, but that needs to happen with all families so that they know if it's not in four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks, they know when they will get those services and supports back and that's really important to them. Yeah, and and I know we've dealt, uh, certainly on this programme, locally with some of our families. We had a heartbreaking letter in or an email in a few weeks ago from a couple with their adult uh, daughter with uh, special needs talking about how she's regressing. And, you know, they wrote in the email how they feel as carers, that they're the forgotten in society. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that that is the message that was coming through um, from the carers that we spoke to, certainly. Um, I, I thought it was nice to hear President Higgins, um, he yeah. was on the late late, and he mentioned specifically family carers. And I think his point was really well made that we do have an opportunity now to reevaluate how we care for older people and people with disabilities in our society. Um, and coming out of this, we absolutely need to prioritise and legislate for home care so that carers are provided uh, under the law with support um, to allow them to care safely for their loved ones at home. And that has never been there. And the government has said they would do that, but we need to see that happen. And that legislation needs to include support such as respite for the family carer as well, so that if they are caring, they know they will have a break at a certain time, whether that's once a week, whether that's once a month, but that they have a right to those supports and a right to respite. Um, and it's not at the discretion or it's not subject to funding mm. um, because that's where it always falls down and that's where carers get forgotten because they know, uh, and I think our government and our state, we know that carers will do it because they care for their loved ones because they love them. and um, They don't do it out of duty, they do it out of love. But we do take that for van, uh, you know, take advantage of of that. So we absolutely need to put home care on a statutory footing, and we need to do it very quickly. I know some of the carers who've contacted us, uh, Catherine, would have concerns that the full services may not be fully restored post lockdown. Are you fearful of that? Look, it, it, it was a concern. Again, the HSE has said that will not be the case, okay. um, and so we are hoping it will not. Um, Family Care Centre, we've been, I suppose, lucky in the sense that uh, we have had great support from the likes of Irish Life, who have actually given us a significant pot of money to support carers through COVID and beyond. So we are still in a position where we can provide in-home support hours for carers who are in crisis or in very difficult situations. Um, But we will be holding, absolutely holding government uh, to task that they will have to reinstate the hours that were taken away and that families will get the supports back that they lost. But we do need to bear in mind that, you know, before this pandemic, many families, I think we had close to 8,000 families on a waiting list yeah. for home care support. So, you know, those figures are still there. And now we have everything else on top of that, that services and supports have been lost. So we can't go back to what was an imperfect system before COVID. We actually need to put in place 
statutory rights to home care and support for families across the country. Okay, a couple of questions. Could you ask Catherine why the carer's office was taken out in Bantry? It was a fantastic support to us carers. Is that part of your... Um, no, we wouldn't have had a, an office ourselves. Uh, Family Cares Ireland wouldn't have had it. But I do think there was a support group that might have been based there, all right. Yeah. Um, and I have a feeling it may have been down to uh, maybe a loss of funding in yeah. the area, but it wasn't our own office. But if somebody wanted to contact us um, and we could look into that and see if we could look at getting some support back into the area, they could call our, our free phone number is one eight hundred twenty four. 0724 um, and we'd be happy to engage um, once we come out hopefully of uh, this pandemic and look if we could put some support into that area Well certainly. done, well done and just a couple of uh, this similar questions really mm. about July provision, there had been talk last week that there's going to be some kind of July provision, do you have you any update on that? No we and again it's something that a lot of parents have been asking um, and from what I had heard last week, it looked like it would be very difficult for them to provide July provision in the way it would have been done uh, in years gone by, but that they are looking at maybe an alternative support. Now, whether those supports will be done online with children, I, I don't know, but it's something that we are chasing ourselves. Um, and as soon as we have any word on that, we will put it up on our own website um, and we'll put it up on our Facebook as well. I think it would be difficult to do July provision the way it has been done because yeah. usually it's a one-to-one with the child um, and the teacher. Um, but, you know, there there are other ways of doing those things. And if, if a family are willing for somebody to come in and if the teacher or if somebody's willing to go into the home, then perhaps that could be done. Okay. So, it's going to be uh, such again, a long time for those that. children not to have been in school. But, you Absolutely. know, by the time they get back in September, it really will be. Uh, Catherine, a pleasure as always. Thank you for that. And thanks That's for joining all. us. Uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Catherine Cox, Head of Communications uh, with uh, Family Carers Ireland. And just some of the responses on that report that I, that I, say, that I said that I read on Friday that was just uh, quite upsetting. But these are just some of the responses when people were asked, you know, how they were getting on. One one mother said, I'm watching my kid regress before my eyes and there's nothing I can do to stop it. Another said, her regression, her daughter, her regression has increased hugely. I'm black and blue. And a final one, uh, I was already burnt out from caring 24-7 and now doing it without school, without respite, without home support and without night nurses. I am totally exhausted. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103 103. Now we had a number of calls from some angry people in Shannon Vale last Friday telling us that the speed ramps have been removed from the village to find out why and what's going on. I'm joined by West Cork Councillor Paul Hayes. Good morning to you Paul. Morning Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now these ramps were installed by the council early last year and it was to combat the growing problem of speeding motorists. Why have they been removed? Again, yeah, it actually goes back uh, to the year before. Indeed, um, Patricia, um, I suppose they were installed originally um, as part of the €1 million uh, road improvement project on the N71, you know, the approach road into Clannacilty. So a lot of cars at the time were were diverting, especially if they were coming in from the west, um, from from the Skibbereen side, or even indeed from the Ballinine, Dunmanway side, you know, they were diverting uh, through Shannonvale Village rather than getting stuck on... Uh, the, the kind of traffic queues and the and the stop go systems in and around Clan at the time, so there was just a, a, a huge uh, volume of traffic going through the the village, and uh, it was necessary then to install these speed bumps um, at three different locations in, in the village. 
But um, yeah, as I said, the project has has been finished now at this stage. Um, so again, as a, they were installed on a temporary basis. So yeah, the council did go and uplift the uh, the, the speed bumps. So were they week. were they only ever put in on a temporary basis? They were only put in as, as a temporary basis. To be honest with you, um, again, look, I and others have been, I suppose, lobbying for for traffic calming measures. You know, for for that area and for other built-up areas, towns and vill- or villages uh, in West Cork over the last while, and we were successful in getting, you know, these speed activation signs. You know, that will flash your speed yeah. as you pass. Yeah. We we got those installed, I'd say, about three years ago, and again, they're they're quite effective for a little while. Again, some people will, you know, they'll 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 put their foot on the brake when they see the that they're going over the speed limit as they're passing, but others will just carry on regardless. Unfortunately, and and we do find that. You know, unfortunately, you will have to put some sort of like a physical impediment in somebody's way to actually uh, get traffic to slow down. Yeah, I mean, speed, speed bumps, we know they work and I'm assuming they have worked, have they? Or they were working in the village? Oh yeah, absolutely. If anything, they were quite severe. You know, you'd, um, they, they were you'd, you'd get a, a nasty bang out of the out of the car if, if you did hit them at any speed at all. Tal. But I think everyone that went through, um, you know, would have known what to expect and had slowed down to you know to, to a quite a slow speed to go over. Um, again, look, I think you know the residents up there are quite understanding. They knew that these uh, speed bumps were temporary, but you know it was always the understanding that. If these ones were to be uplifted, which they now have been, uh, you know, a more permanent version would be put in afterwards, and you know that that's what really we're, our emphasis on at the moment is is to try and get uh, some sort of a, a speed bump or uh, in the various locations, a, a permanent, a permanent one. Yeah. But, but with more people, Paul, out walking and cycling with lockdown, and it's terrific to see that people are taking up uh, exercise during the pandemic. Surely this was the wrong time to remove them. Yeah, again, I mean, look, I've been in touch with the area engineer's office and, and others over the last while making the, the, the same case that the residents have been making. It doesn't make any sense at all, Tal. Um, what we've been told from the official side of things is, look, the project is finished um, and that, you know, the, 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 I suppose the council would be kind of on, on thin ice, really, if something was to happen, uh, you know, if you damage your car going over these uh, speed bumps or whatever it would be. Um, they're no longer insured because they were part of the N71 project. So the officials are saying, look, we need to take them up. But obviously the residents are hugely concerned because, as I say, even since the, the slight lifting in the, in the um, lockdown restrictions, you know, traffic has increased up to three times already. And now this time of year, obviously, you've kind of the heavy fire machinery on the road again. Yeah. Um, and this this area is quite close to the Clan Technology Park as well. So, like, I mean... And obviously, people aren't returning to work just yet. But you know, over the next number of weeks, when when restrictions are lifted further, that too is going to increase um, the traffic flow in the area. So I, I do, to be honest, which I do share the concerns of the residents in Shannon Vale on this one. And uh, as I said, I, I will be bringing it up at our, our next municipal yeah. meeting. Which so they, they the certainly today. have a good case to have permanent speed bumps put in there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And again, because I was a member of the, the Roads and Traffic um, Strategic Policy Committee in the last council term, and we did recognise that this was an issue for villages uh, and outside schools and things. And we did put together uh, a policy document you know, that would strengthen the hand of local area engineers and give them, I suppose, a choice of a, a suite of different measures that they could apply, you know, because speed bumps don't suit every everywhere either. Uh, again, you'd have these kind of raised table areas like inside in maybe towns, just, again, just to, to slow traffic down. Or, uh. I know if, you, if you're probably familiar with Buttevant, you know, there's a slightly more smoother 
kind of a speed bump as you go down through the village. And they there. and they really work. They do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So again, again, we're looking for some sort of uniformity across the county because area engineers are kind of saying, well, look, you know, we, we can't do this here and we can't do that there. Whereas now, since we passed this um, policy at, at the roads SPC, um, it does give them options to apply. And as I said, I, I'd be pushing hard for for, for uh, the replacement of these speed bumps that are meeting this afternoon. Okay, what was West Cork like at the weekend in Cork Mac? Was it busy? Not too bad, actually. Yeah, a few cars around. Um, the beaches were, were quite busy, but for the most part, it, it did look like locals um, were, were attending. You know, there, there were a few cars, I suppose, and, and people that you mightn't have recognised around the place. But I, I think in general... You know, it, it, it wasn't as bad as a number of months ago, like when... when uh, At the start. Were, yeah, it was just absolute mayhem. And, uh, you know, people weren't social distancing and anything like that. Like, But I know people look, I suppose, a little bit tiresome of it now and the weather is, has been absolutely fantastic. Um, but I think, look, for the most part, people were respected and, and not travelling down. But certainly, look, there were a few that I think did break the uh, the 5k limit. Um, but look, I, no, as I said, it, it is... It is a tough one. Everybody realises, I mean, that this time of the year we should be really looking forward to a fantastic tourist, you know, season ahead. And it's a tough one, really, for the local businesses still remaining closed or summer, you know, offering a takeaway business, you know, for, for meals or whatever. Uh, that you, a call and collect service. But my, my heart does go out to them. Like, And uh, again, as I said, like, we, we will be discussing some of the measures in the afternoon today, just trying to help out. You know, the, the, the yeah, and, and I know, I know. In the next hour, I'm going to be speaking with the the council on how the county towns are planning to reopen, and you know, and and everyone then is going to have a role to play. Just on speed ramps, uh, a texture says, uh, "Could you ask Paul? Could they bring those speed ramps over to Lep? The speed is unreal." Yeah, again, look, it's, it's an area there. We were pushing for road improvements there for a long, long time. True, Lep, it was one of the worst areas on, on the main road network, and again, we we got fantastic a fantastic job done there uh, to, to resurface the area but it has become like a racetrack since and we've we have initiated um, I suppose a, a, a review of the speed uh, over there through the village um, we have been in touch with the local school and we have received petitions and stuff from locals uh, in the area but yeah again look it, it is one of those areas that we would we would need to put in some sort of a, a physical impediment to slow down traffic through mm, the village. It's crazy. So, yeah, it it's is. crazy how we just to don't get people to slow down. Okay, uh, listen Paul, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks as always, Patricia. Good morning. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye bye. That is West Cork uh, Councillor Paul Hayes. Uh, 1850 We're talking about carers. Listeners says, what about carers that have had their home helps reduced are taken away, uh, even though their help is uh, a frontline service? The Well, that's one of the issues that Catherine Cox says that the HSC now are writing to people who lost their home help hours because of COVID-19 and they're expecting that those hours are going to be replaced, given back in the coming weeks and months. Now, whether they'll be fully replaced or whether they'll be eased back in, I don't know. Only time will tell. But there has been assurances from the HSC that all of the services that were there before COVID-19, that they all will be replaced. But, you know, only time will tell on the, on that one. But you should be expecting to hear from the HSE and sooner rather than later. Now, some of your comments in uh, Michael and Castletown Bear. Patricia, hi. What a glorious morning. And thank God for this beautiful weather. It lightens the weight of the lockdown. And so it does, Michael. So it does. Patricia, never in my whole life have I ever seen the Holy Bible being used in a more disingenuous and exploitative way than by President 
bunker boy Donald Trump yesterday evening for a photo opportunity after threatening military force to quell George Floyd's death protesters if state governors do not stamp out protests over police brutality and using tear gas and rubber bullets to disperse a peaceful demonstration that stood in his way. It was frightening. Pure dictatorship, Michael calls it. He Here at home, I say, thank God that we have a president in the calibre of Michael D. Higgins who stood squarely with the people as he did on the Late Late Show on Friday night. What an outstanding president uh, to have. We don't really appreciate how lucky we are, we are to have such a man of his calibre. Another brilliant performance by him uh, with uh, Ryan Tuberty on Friday night and that's from Michael in Castletown Bear. Yeah, you are, you are so, so right. I think the comparison between the two, between Michael D. Higgins and, and President Donald Trump is absolutely Absolutely striking. Yeah, I was shocked to see what he did with the when he stood with the the Bible. And just for people who didn't know, uh, President Donald Trump decided to get, use a bit of a photo opportunity uh, yesterday evening at the at the White House. There was a number of people, and it was a very peaceful protest because I had seen commentators that were there and journalists that were there covering it, and they said it was a very peaceful protest. And suddenly, out of nowhere, uh, the state police arrived and they ran all these people. They just got rid of them using tear gas, using rubber bullets. They cleared the way and nobody could understand. The journalists that were there couldn't understand why it was happening because it was a peaceful protest. There was no no rioting going on. There was no looting going on. It was just a peaceful protest and suddenly out of nowhere there was there was the police were sent to clear this area and then it became all too obvious afterwards as soon as they cleared the area President Donald Trump walked across the area where the protester would have been to stand outside the church uh, and then he stood for a photo opportunity holding a Bible um, and police and, and lots of people I saw Twitter just nearly exploded last night when he used that opportunity and then people realised why the police had forced all those peaceful protesters to because he, he didn't obviously he wouldn't have been able to have made that walk that photograph couldn't have been taken if the protesters uh, were there and you compare that to our own Mike D on the late late on uh, Friday night. It's just chalk and cheese. Thank you for your text Michael to 0862 103 103. Now a couple of other texts coming in. Hi Patricia do you know when chiropodists are back working in the Mallow area? Necessary service needed. Thanking you says uh, Pat. Well I know whenever we've looked into chiropodists before, the advice is ring your, if you have a chiropodist that you've been using, just ring your chiropodist. They're all taking an emergency appointments. They're just not doing walk-in services. You have to make appointments. So I would suggest, and if your own chiropodist isn't working, just Google any of the chiropodists in the Mallow area, ring, explain what you need to have done. And uh, if they've got an appointment, and certainly, if it's, I don't know when you say necessary service, I don't know if that's an emergency or not, or if you're in pain, for example, they certainly will see you. And they've been working throughout the lockdown on that basis uh, that if if you contact them and you're in need of urgent care they certainly will uh, help you out Pat so try your own chiropodist and if your own chiropodist isn't working as I say Google any of the ones in the Mallow area and see how you get on there 1850 and then a number of people commenting about social distancing over the weekend and there was evidence that social distancing wasn't going on. Let me just give you some of the texts and comments coming in. Mary says, Patricia, there was no social distancing going on in Dublin yesterday. God help us all. Now, I'm assuming you're either talking about the protest, the Black Lives Matter protest, or I know at some of the 
some of the seasides in Dublin, the Gardaí had to move in and get people to move along and there was just too many people gathered uh, together. I mean, you can have a large group, but as long as people spread out and are socially distanced when everybody is on top of each other. Mary in Cork was on to say she was went to the lock for a walk last night. She says there was large crowds of young people. She said they were hanging out in gangs. They were drinking and socialising. There was absolutely no attempt at all at social distancing. It looks like we cannot get the message through to young people when it comes to social distancing. I saw a group, actually myself, of young people and they obviously hadn't seen each other in quite some time and they were all hugging each other and thrilled to see each other and I was thinking, ah, not a lot of social distancing going on there but I suppose because I think the younger generation know if they pick up COVID-19 they're A, they're not going to have symptoms at all or if they do, they're not going to, they're not going to get very unwell but the danger of those young people bringing the COVID-19 back home with them. They may not have the symptoms, but they could have a vulnerable family member at home or someone could pass it on to granny or, you know, they really, at that young age, are not thinking of the more vulnerable in society. And that's what we all have to do. We have to, we have to protect the vulnerable people while none of us ourselves personally want, uh, want to get it. But we would hope that we would be fighting fit and would be OK, that if we did get it, we'd come out. We might be unwell, but we'd come out the other side. But you just don't want to pass it on to somebody who's in a vulnerable group. I mean, how would you ever live with yourself if you knew that you passed on, you got COVID-19 and you passed it on to a much loved granny or granddad or a parent? It just, it really doesn't bear uh, thinking of. And then someone else was on about this as well. Uh, Listener says, hi Patricia, the neighbours in my estate were all out hanging out and, you know, socialising with each other and they were all on top of each other. There was also young lads and certainly no social distancing going on. Why is the message not getting uh, through to people? And then Sandy says, I'm listening to all of the regulations imposed on us, uh, the Irish. And then when I travel to or I'm standing around in shops talking to staff or other owners in the West Cork area, I hear a lot of different accents, not local accents. I'm in particular hearing people with Dublin accents, accents from all over the United Kingdom, especially over the weekend. Uh, Also, there are unbelievable allegations that non-nationals are flying into the United Kingdom, staying a few days in the UK, and then either booking flights or hiring UK cars and then arriving in Ireland in in anticipation of avoiding COVID restrictions if coming from another home country like uh, Italy, California and the US, says uh, Sandy. I think that's an urban myth, Sandy, particularly the one on the huge numbers of people flying into the country. If you check in with any of the airports, and we only did it last week when we were chatting with Kevin Cullinan of, of Cork Airport, there's little or no one flying in and out of the country. Most of the flights, the odd few flights that are coming, I think we're down... Where did I see ninety nine percent of flights are not running? There's there's little little or no flights. For example, Shannon hasn't had any flights in to the airport. I think in about uh, two months. If you even check um, Cork Airport's flight uh, schedule, some days there isn't any flights. Other days there might be. It's just the flights over and back to London. There's a Ryanair one and which doesn't run every day, and there's an Aer Lingus one into Heathrow again that doesn't run uh, every day. And if you went to the airport and checked, there's very few people getting off those flights a lot of the flights coming in then would have cargo on board so I think that's an urban myth it's the same at Dublin Airport I was speaking with somebody who works in Dublin Airport and they were saying it is just eerily quiet in the airport you talk to any taxi driver that works out of Dublin Airport they can sit I heard of one taxi driver who said he sat for five hours waiting for somebody to come in to get 
to, who needed to get a taxi from the airport into the, into the city centre. So there isn't huge numbers of people flying into the country and it's the same with the ports. Most of the ports, it's all the, the big trucks are coming in and going the other way, bringing our goods over and bringing other goods in that we need in this country. So I think that's an urban myth. Now, that's not to say that there wasn't a lot of non-West Cork people in West Cork over the weekend. I'm not saying that it's not happening at all, but I think it's an urban myth that there's huge numbers flying into this country because it's certainly, it's, 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 it's just, it simply is not happening. Uh, 1850-333-103. But on the whole thing about social distancing and this idea of will we be able to go from two metres to one metre and there has been a big, big campaign to reduce the two metre social distancing to one metre. Well, it delivered a bit of a setback over the weekend with a major study showing that the wider gap lessens the risk of infection. Physical distancing of less than one metre does lower the risk of COVID-19 transmission, but distances of two metres or more are way more effective. And it is a study. If you want to have a read of it, it's in the Lancelet Medical Journal and they go through, they have done studies and they've done the risk of infection uh, between individuals if they're standing one metre apart, two metres apart, even three metres apart. And it shows the further away you are from somebody, the less chance you have of uh, catching it. And while, yes, one metre does does work, and certainly the World Health Organisation has suggested one uh, metre, but in the ideal world, two metres, it is you will lower the chance of people picking up COVID-19 uh, with the two metres. And that will come as a bit of a blow to some of the industries and businesses that are hoping to reopen, particularly people like the hotels and the restaurant in- industry. It will be much easier easier for them to get back up and running and to become profitable if they could work on a one metre rule rather than a two. But going from that Lancet journal, as of now, I think this government is going to remain with the uh, two metre uh, rule and not go back to the one metre rule. And that was coming out of the weekend as we were hearing lots of concerns about the breaching of safeguards over social distancing. For example, there's street parties in Cork. We're going to be talking about that in a couple of uh, minutes. There's reports of these house parties going, not street parties, house parties going on uh, in Cork City. And also um, at the weekend, the now I don't know if it happened here in Cork, if the Gardaí had to move in and disperse any groups, but certainly at the 40 foot in Dublin, the Gardaí were called in and had to get groups of sun seekers uh, to move on in Sandy Cove in County Dublin they just had to disperse there was literally too many people there so I don't know if it happened uh, here in Cork I do know over they were fearful that physical distancing wouldn't wouldn't happen and because of that some of the beaches remain closed to the public some of them were in Cork and Donegal Kerry and Louth uh, as well but certainly the beaches in Dublin that were open they, the Gardaí had to uh, move in 1850 C103 Jobs Okay, Wesco uh, Windows, they are looking for window uh, fitters, while Charleville Plantar, they're recruiting for a new lorry driver. You need to have a minimum of a C1 driving licence. A general operative is wanted, that's for part-time work. It's power washing and painting, and it's in the mid-Cork area. 
and a childminder is wanted four days per week. It's for a six-month-old baby and it's in the Clonakilty Rathbarry area. And staying on a childminder, there's one needed for the Mallow Donnerail area. It's two days per week. It's for two girls. One is nine months and the other is a three-month-old and it will start on the 21st of June. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Now, Professor Sam McConkie, one of this country's leading specialists in infectious diseases, says house parties are disastrous in stopping the spread of COVID-19. With house parties reported to have taken place right across the bank holiday weekend, one group of residents in Cork City decided to take a stand by having a silent protest to highlight what is happening in their area. Catherine Clancy is a former Lord Mayor of Cork. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And she's with the Magazine Road Residence Association. And Catherine joins me. Good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning. And good good to speak with you. Now, what have you you been witnessing in your area? I suppose, Patricia, what we witnessed um, last week, early last week, was a surge of uh, young people moving into our area. And if I could just say, first, I suppose, keep a profile to people that don't know the area. Um, we're, we live in a big, old, established community, good residence group here, and we um, live in close proximity to UCC, the Bon Secure Hospital, and the CUH. And we've always shared our, um, our community, like, you know, with students, it's part of the profile of the area. And we have a great relationship with UCC and all that. But like what we saw last week was um, we've never witnessed. We had a surge of young people, primarily, I suppose, people, what we've identified as people who would have gone on the J1s, who would have gone to Canada and uh, students as young as leaving certs taking up occupancy in those houses. And what we got within hours was mayhem, mayhem. 
Um, now, the houses you're, you're talking about, these yeah. are the houses that are normally occupied in the academic year by students. Yes. Yes. And they've been emptied, I'm ass- most of them have been emptied they since March. They the week before, no, well they were empty since March, but like technically I suppose the landlords had a contract on, and, the, and the students were paying a lot of them up until the um, end of May. You know, that was within their contract and they were tied into that. Oh, okay. So the houses became free. But like, in fairness then, like we did for a PM test bus by saying that some landlords have still left their houses empty, which would be in keeping with COVID-19 because the college is closed. Yeah. Um, there is, uh, the only reason you'll be coming here is for essential services. And we have had people who've moved into the area coming for essential services. We also have students who've never gone home who've been here like, you know, since March. Okay. But what we had was a blatant, um, I suppose, non-compliance with the guidelines uh, around HSE with people coming I suppose some of them not too far a couple of parishes away we've had people coming from different parts of the city you know from Rochestown, Douglas um, even as near as Bishopstown but an awful lot of people then coming as well from the county and from Kerry and afar all clearly in breach of the five kilometres and also um, I suppose in breach of uh, gatherings and what we saw and what we witnessed was um, house parties within hours and we had to have house parties cleared with up to 50 people inside them. And, you know, we're not even at stage two of uh, opening up our society and you have these young people with the landlords being compliant in in renting out the properties to them and the parents as well, in some cases, supporting them to move in here in total breach of the COVID-19 guidelines, but also putting our community at risk absolutely of, uh, a- absolutely and you say so so it's like it's a short let or a summer let it's sure yeah, some them with a summer let summer let yeah that's what they would and be then and then word yeah. gets out that Johnny or Mary's after or as after renting a house for the summer so let's all head up and we'll have yeah. and they're cheap they're, they rent them cheaply for the summer maybe 50 or 60 euros a week you know and I would have to say some of them weren't even cleaned before they were um handed over you know, and when, when as, re- as residents, what, you started hearing the noise? The noise, the, uh, not being able to sleep, the, the parking, the huge gatherings at the houses, um, urinating on the street. Um, so we were there, um, I suppose we had an incident just on our street on the Friday night where three houses were emptied, up to 50 people inside them, in each house. And the guards empty them and, uh, you know, we said, look, they're just after arriving, maybe we'll have a chat with them tomorrow because sometimes, you know, you talk to students usually and they're fine and we all get on together. Yeah. But um, we did that and sure, there's nothing there. There was another party starting again on the uh, Saturday night. So we as residents had to physically stop those parties. The guards came, they emptied the houses, but as soon as the guards were gone, they came. So we had to kind of do a bit of a vigil outside the houses. So... You know, I've been involved in a lot of issues over the years, uh, Patricia, and I just said, how, how are we going to deal with this? It's just overwhelming. It's frightening. What we have is a blatant risk to our community. And I, you know, I was only saying this morning, this is just not a community issue here. It's a Cork City issue and it's a national issue, what's happening in our community. A civil dis- disobedience uh, supported by landlords and supported by parents. Do the parents know? Do, do, do you... They drop them off. They oh. drop them off. They dropped them off and they gave them a big fast hug as you would and wished them well. We saw them. But like I said, have those parents examined their conscience? Are, what planet are they on? There are families that can't hug, kiss or hold 
people who are dying with COVID-19 and still dying. And, you know, as Sam, uh, Sam McConkie was saying, like, you know, just 20 cases in a community can risk, within 50 days, 20,000 uh, new cases. Yeah, yeah. Like, we haven't even gone to stage two, and there's people who've moved in here and now and are, like, gone to a stage that we may never meet again. Do you know what I mean? Uh, stage six, a stage of their own. It's outrageous, outrageous. What Have happened. you been, a- do you know the landlords? We've contacted some of the landlords, some of them like they kind of like, oh, they didn't know. And once you ring them once and they see your number, they're not picking up again, okay. you know. And the Gardaí, the, the, the Gardaí are yeah. saying what to you? The Gardaí are, we have community guards here, that, like I say, we, we're a long established residence group. We have great relationships with our community guards. And we've worked very hard with community guards over the years. So, you know, our area is quite... You know, we have a nice area and uh, we have a lot of HSE workers here and living in the area. But the guards, the guards, community guards, they came, which was like dealing with a wildfire, you know, and they'd empty one house and they'd go into the next one. And um, now there is an issue, all right, where the guards are saying to us that they can't go into the house if the door is closed, you know. But I think if that is the case, well, then we need... um, you know, the COVID-19 committee, along with HSE, to put emergency legislation in place that these houses can be emptied with the support of the HSE and on Garda and that the landlords will be severely fined for renting out houses that they know and have no regard for the community to what they're doing. What they're doing is wrong and it has to stop. It has to stop, Patricia. Did you speak with some of the young people and what what, what do they say to we, you? They'll be fined during the day. Yeah. Good. You know, like we have young people here who never went home. This is their primary residence. They've stayed for different reasons, you know. Mm. We've had foreign students that didn't go home uh, and not able to come. We have no issue with them. You know, we get on well. But the cohort that have moved in in the last week, primarily those that would have gone to Canada, would have had the J1s and leaving certs, which is amazing. You know, probably would have gone on the Spanish holiday they've come here instead, you know. And... Somebody's asking where they're getting the money from, but well, well, you know, but like, why are they here? They're not essential services. The yeah. college is closed. Yeah, they, you, we're we're told by the government to stay in your primary residence. Pre- yeah, yeah, all these people's primary residence in March was their home. What we want is we want them to go home, stay safe, and as far as leaving their students are, we want their parents to come collect them, take them home, and that those have well gone beyond the five kilometres. They've broken the law. You you, you know who you are go home and to the landlords we think what they've done to our community is criminal criminal and there's a lot of landlords that we ring in they're living in the county so we really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak to yourself Patricia because that's an audience that we need to get to if you're one of those landlords please please empty your house protect our community protect our city and protect our country can what I also say Protect your property. If you're going to have Protect mad, wild and parties going on, you could have. You, you, you might really regret renting that out at low cost. Yeah, that, that may be the case, and but what you find, you know, they're nearly the same houses. Like the landlords, as I say, they didn't even clean some of them. Like you know, shocking, um, shocking behaviour. It really is. Somebody saying the three hundred and fifty euro COVID nineteen payment. I wonder how many of those students are getting that. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But like you know, the leaving cert students aren't getting it. No, you no. know. And yeah, but if Mammy and Daddy are dropping them up and yeah. wishing them well, Mammy and Daddy are probably funding the trip. They are, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're probably All right. Save too. Okay. Listen, listen, 
Patricia, thank you for ringing no because problem. there's people listening that will probably follow up on this call and uh, do something about okay. what we're going to do. All right, and listen and stay safe huh? to you and, and the residents. Okay. It's shocking what Hi. you have to put up with. Take care. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. 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 That is uh, Catherine Clancy of the Magazine Road uh, residence painting a very, very grim picture. I would not like to be living in an area like that where it was described as, as the weekend of as Magaluf or J1 style house parties uh, in those rented houses. 1850-333-103. Lines open. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now all 23 town teams established under Cork County Council's Project Act have now met to discuss ways to support businesses and communities affected by COVID-19. To tell us more about the project, I'm joined by Niall Healy, who is Director of Services at Cork County Council. Good morning to you, Niall. Good morning, Patricia. Well, you're welcome to the programme. I suppose start by explaining what Project Act is. Thanks, Patricia. Yeah, it's... um the, the title probably prompts curiosity as much as anything else. Um, the letters ACT, they stand for Activating County Teams. So that's what the, the Activating County Towns, that's what the project is all about. So the emphasis on act, action, being proactive, and I suppose it all stems from the whole COVID-19 pandemic and the profound impact on business and the economic well-being of our towns across the county. We can all see that every day that we, we move around. Mm. Uh, so the, I suppose the council, through the chief executive and through the elected members, identified the need to respond quickly to this and to put a plan in place for, I suppose, rebooting the economy and rebooting the economic health of these towns. So we all know that there are significant challenges ahead. And I suppose first and foremost, we need to identify what they are. We need to understand what they are. And then we need to activate a response to that. So these town teams uh, were set up. And give you an example who's represented on the town teams. Yeah, so we have 23 teams overall. Um, we've identified the 23 main settlements across the county. There are seven in North Cork, eight in South Cork, eight in West Cork. And in terms of the membership of the teams, um, we are very clear that it needs to be a collaborative approach, that that's how we best deliver improvements to services in our county and to the future development of our county. So some of the people around the table would be business or retail representatives. We typically would have two or three uh, town chamber or retail representatives sitting on a town team. We'd have community representation in the form of tidy towns representatives or maybe some local community development or community association. Uh, there are Garda representatives. Uh, we have representatives from the Cork County Older Persons Council. So they bring the voice of the older person to the table. We'd have tourism representation where the particular town has a strong focus on tourism. And then I suppose beyond that, it's largely Cork County Council staff. Okay. Um, so staff from our economic development and enterprise directorate, our tourism officer and our municipal district staff as well. And, and do you believe different towns will face different challenges? 
Absolutely, Patricia, without a doubt. Um, that's the one thing that's become apparent very quickly. Um, each of these 23 teams have met once, if not twice, at this stage. And there's no doubt, but a one-size-fits-all approach won't work here. Uh, the needs are different from town to town, and I suppose, you know, you have busy, large towns with a lot of traffic and footfall, and how they're going to deal with the challenges of social distancing versus small rural towns whereby you wouldn't have the same pressure in terms of traffic or pedestrian activity. So we'll have to adapt to our response um, at a local level. Uh, and that's the value of consultation. Yeah, and, and that's what that's what I think is terrific about this, and the fact you know you've got the the twenty three almost little committees set up, each dealing with their own area. I mean, there will be, I mean, across a lot of the towns, there will be similar uh, challenges. I mean, one of the ones I suppose is people need to feel safe when we have when we have reopened, and when people are going back into their local towns. You've put your finger on us there. Uh, that's the one thing that I would say overriding everything else is the need for people to feel safe, to, for people to have the confidence to go back into their local towns. And just as an example there, the Older Persons Council, when we met with them a number of weeks ago and we were talking about our plans for this, the one message that was coming across from them is that you know people who've been cocooning for so long, there's now a nervousness and an anxiety about getting back out there, getting out, shopping, bumping into people, mingling with people. People are afraid that they might contract the virus, you know, that they might be entering into crowded spaces and that that would put their health at risk. So safety is a big part of this um, project. Confidence as well, and it's confidence on the part of shoppers, but it's also confidence on the part of retailers to ensure that retailers can feel that they can open up with confidence and that people will return to the high street transacting business um, and so forth. I mean, social distancing is going to be with us for, for quite some time, whether it's going to be two metres or one metre, it certainly is going to be, be with us. Will, will the streetscapes of our towns, will they have to adapt? They will. Uh, there's no way around us that they will. Um, I suppose dealing with an economic shock is difficult at the best of times. But when you have the constraints of the obligations around COVID-19 embedded in the midst of it, it makes it all the more complex. So I suppose what we're doing is, first and foremost, we're trying to improve the presentation of our towns and then uh, have a discussion at town team level in relation to town layout. So just to give you a few examples in terms of town presentation, this is an opportunity for us to do a deep clean of our main towns. And hopefully over time we'll get to extend that to villages as well. I want, I suppose, the message to go out there that it's not all about the towns solely, um, that we are conscious that there are some very large villages uh, and there's important business being transacted through those villages. So we're not forgetting about those. We have to start somewhere and we have to be focused and prioritise what we do. So we're focused initially on presentation in our 23 towns. So that's everything from deep cleaning and power hosing through to uh, weeding, decluttering of our streets. It's amazing the amount of material that gathers on streets um, over the years. And some of that now um, needs to be decluttered. And I include things like planters and flower boxes in that. Um, We need to create sufficient space for pedestrians 
to be able to to pass each other by. Yeah, because so, some of our them. towns will have narrower footpaths than other towns, or some of our streets will be narrower than other streets. They will, and 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 that's the case in in many cases, and that's where we have to be imaginative. So we're sitting down with the town teams and discussing the options there in terms of the temporary widening of footpaths. Uh, this is to ensure safety of pedestrians. They're only temporary measures, but they could be with us for some time to come. So some of the options we have there would be to r- remove some car parking pace- spaces that uh, run parallel to the footpath and uh, erecting planters and temporary bollards out closer to the flow of traffic. So that would have the effect of temporarily widening the footpaths allowing people greater space. Uh, and again, we're conscious of the pressure on space because, as we know, we now have queuing outside some of our yeah, shops, busier establishments, yeah, shops yeah. and pharmacies. And we have forth. to allow for that. We have to make space for that. We do, absolutely. And at the same time, ensure that there, you know, as businesses start to reopen over the coming weeks and months, there will naturally be more and more pressure in terms of pedestrian space. And all the time we can expect some of those queues to be growing in length. So it's a difficult balancing act. It's not going to be easy. Um, and it is going to be a challenging task for the town teams to try and come to some common ground whereby there's general agreement. we we'll probably never achieve unanimous agreement. Um, and the judgment will have to be made ultimately in terms of what's the safe thing to do. And that's what it'll all go back to now. It's, it's keeping everybody safe and giving people the confidence to know that when they go into their local town that they're, that they're, going, to be, uh, that they're going to be safe. Local festivals and events is one of the things we certainly are hearing about here in the programme. People are missing, you know, as we're coming up to typical weekends where something should have been on, a bank holiday weekend and a festival was always on that weekend. People are really, really missing those festivals and events. Will any of them go ahead this year? Uh, we'd certainly be hopeful and confident indeed that, that some will. Uh, some won't, equally for that matter. Um, I suppose the way it is, you know, we've actively supported festivals in the council through our tourism unit and through our municipal districts. And there's no doubt, but um, they're probably the single greatest economic boost yeah. to a town or a village because it brings locals in, but it also brings in, you know, tourists and people that might have a particular interest in the subject of the festival. Um, now, we would love to see festivals um, coming back in our streets as the country begins to reopen. And I suppose September, October time is a time that, you know, some festival organisers are hoping to have some form of events. They may not be the festivals that we've been used to. Again, social distancing will mm. still prevail. Um, some are planning on going virtual. Um, some are hoping for a combination of virtual and a physical festival as well. Um, but it's something that, you know, our staff are working with festival organisers and are planning it. But again, we have to hope that, you know, everything goes to plan in terms of the national roadmap for reopening business and society. Um, you know, we are confident, we're quietly confident um, that some festivals will happen towards the end of the year. Okay. And again, I suppose in the run-up to Christmas as well, that a particular programme of events can be run. And then those that don't happen will come back bigger and better next year? 
Yeah, that's what people are telling yeah. us, that, and we're, we're certainly going to support them every step of the way. Um, and now, businesses, uh, uh, many businesses are going to need a lot of help, um, be that financial in, in, in many cases. Will there be grants, loans available to, to get some of these businesses back up and running? There is, absolutely. And that's one message, Patricia, I'd like to get out loud and clear that, uh, that for any business that's out there that's struggling, that's at a crossroads and wondering perhaps is it you know, worthwhile reopening or, or at what stage should they reopen? Help is to hand. Uh, and we have a number of schemes uh, in place here in the council through our LEO offices, our local enterprise offices. There's, for example, a restart fund uh, which is aimed at small businesses that would be employing 50 staff or less, and they would have a turnover of less than €5 million. Euro. And effectively, many of them are closed at the moment, and this scheme allows them a contribution to the cost of reopening. And that, that scheme is actually out there and live at the moment. It's an online application process, so I'd encourage people to um, that are in that category to do some research about it. It's the Cork County Council um, Restart Fund. Applications are available on yourcouncil.ie. That's Y-O-U-R, yourcouncil.ie. And granted, it's in the range of ten to, in the range of two thousand euro to ten thousand euro, uh, dependent on that business's rates bill for twenty nineteen. Um, so we've already got a lot of interest in that, um, but applications are still invited. So it'll be of great interest to small and micro businesses. Okay, well done, well, well, well done. And the success, Nile, of all of our local towns will be will be down in, in large to local communities, and the need for all of us to shop local and support those businesses when they are back up and running. No doubt about it. And we have such a strong sense of community in Cork County, and you know, not wanting to blow our own trumpets, but we should recognise that actually we have a head start on most other parts of the country insofar as the community is so strong in Cork. And, you know, that makes us what we are. Uh, so, you know, there's no doubt about it, but communities are a key part of our town team structure. And it's through working with them that we'll manage to get, um, you know, the message, I suppose, um, communicated to, to all the relevant businesses, and people and groupings. Yeah, and in fairness to, to the council, you've, 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 the council have played a blinder during all of this in, in pulling everybody to, uh, together. And in particular, I have to highlight the, the library service has been amazing. And we've been hearing from listeners who've had books delivered to their door by their local library. Yeah, that's right. And that's been very well received by by library users. And indeed, we've had a huge increase in the number of library members as well, which is great to see. Because I think it's something that, you know, once people experience the library service, it's something that actually transforms their lives in terms of the wealth of resources and history and magazines and podcasts and videos and so forth that are at people's disposal. So, yeah, our housebound book delivery service was one of our earlier initiatives and that went down a treat, actually, and and we continue to deliver that service. And we're at the stage now where, I suppose, you know, we'll be looking at our plans for reopening our, our public libraries and are they, are, they in the sec- are they in the second are they in phase two they're in phase two which, which should uh, be next week 
which is next oh, week, next oh, Monday. Oh, going yeah. well, yeah. We, we have a proposal there now which will be circulating to our councillors later this week and um, we would expect that we'll be operating an order and collect type system. Great, great. So, you know, they won't be physically open to the public for some weeks to come yet, um, but there will be means by which library members can get access to books and library services mm. um, through an order and collect system. So okay. there's further details to, to follow on that. Okay, our, our new normal, we just have to get used to what our new yeah. normal is, is going to be uh, like. Listen, um, Niall, thank you for that and uh, the best of luck to uh, Project ACT and to all of the 20 t- 23 town teams. Thanks, Patricia. Okay. If there's just one thing I could just add maybe at the very end, it's, um, it's a survey actually that we've made public um, in recent days. Um, we're embarking on an effort with a startup company called Abodu, now a very unusual name, Okay. A-B-O-D-O-O. Abodu. Yeah. Yeah. And basically it's a skills and talent survey across the county. Uh, very much capturing, I suppose, the, you know, individuals who are remote working or office working and where they're based. And the overall objective really is to gain an insight into the skills that exist right across the Cork region, including across industries. So anyone that's in employment really. And the objective here is to identify the demand for smart working, remote working and so forth. So there is a survey that, that some of your listeners might be interested in participating in. It's available at www.abodoo.com forward slash Cork County. And we'd really appreciate as many responses as possible to gain an insight, I suppose, in terms of people's demands and desires in terms of, of remote working. And it'll feed into a digital hub strategy that we have been working on for some time with this degree of information in the midst of the pandemic where people are remote working quite commonly and quite um, quite prevalent across the county, that information would be invaluable to us at this point. Uh, just, to, just to see what are the skills and the talent that's out there. It's a terrific, exactly. terrific exactly. idea. Okay, and I will leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks very much. Good morning uh, to you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. 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 That is uh, Niall Healy, who is the Director of Services at Cork County Council. 1850-333-103. Let me catch up with your texts and calls and emails to the uh, programme and an email to Patricia at C103 dot ie from Philip to say hi Patricia greetings from Bantry I've not been listening to too much radio recently as I switch off as soon as I hear that awful C word being used now the C word is not COVID-19 and it's not coronavirus it's the other C word with regard to older people I just don't want to say it when I'm reading out Philip's uh, email because I don't want to offend him he said I know that I am in the company of many others particularly of my generation we the over 70s who despise the reference regardless of what the dictionary says it means apparently according to his TV interview on Friday President Pickens Uh, feels the same. Kind regards, Philip, who says, I'm off on my five-mile hill walk in a circular route which will keep me within my 5k prison. Oh, Philip. I know it has been really, really tough on older people, particularly the ones that have strictly adhered to the regulations and the guidelines. It's been really difficult. The only thing is we're into the last week now of phase one. On phase two, reopening for older people. One of the big things I know that older people are most looking forward to, they'll be able to go out shopping themselves, but you still need to be so, so careful. And it's been done to protect uh, the older 
community and generation and to try to keep you all uh, safe and I hope that you're back now from your lovely five mile hill walk in lovely Bantry and uh, the weather's been fantastic so I hope you've been been enjoying getting out and about and I'll do my best I don't know if I've used the C words that you're referencing I don't know if I've used it today on the programme I will try and do my best uh, to get through the rest of the hour without mentioning it okay so as not to cause any offence at all uh, to anyone but thank you always great to hear from you and that was emailed to Patricia at c103.ie and Colette has been on about library when I mentioned library books and how great the library service has been during the lockdown and of course we know that libraries are due to reopen on phase two which will be next Monday the 8th of June Colette said don't want to be negative because I am a library member but I'm just wondering the hiring out of books when you're thinking about COVID-19 could they spread coronavirus. I'm just asking as hairdressers have said when they reopened on the 20th of July that they're going to ban magazines. So I'm just wondering. I know at Colette when the library service was doing the that doorstep delivery where they were dropping off books they would get a plastic box and they'd put in I think about 20 books we were hearing people were getting and they were delivering them to people's houses. Uh, people in the main who weren't able to get out and about and they were delivering the, uh, the books uh, to them. I know that they were all cleaned and then they were placed in the boxes and they were left for a period of time, was it a day or two just to make sure that if there was any risk of infection that it would be gone and I'm assuming the very same thing will happen with the hiring out of when they when the libraries reopen, even though listening to Niall Healy of Cork County Council, it's not going to be the way we normally go to the library, just go in, peruse the books and come back out again It looks it's almost going to be like a, a click and collect kind of type service is what they're going to operate but I'm assuming all of the books will be cleaned and all of that and I think you, you can't really compare it to the hairdressers, the reason for the magazines, the on the magazines in the hairdressers and in beauticians and in any kind of a waiting room is to do with the fact that say for example collect yourself and myself we're both due to go to the hairdressers and I get in ahead of you I'm sitting down waiting to for my hairdresser to call me and I pick up one of the magazines and I'm flicking through it I've got coronavirus and I don't realise I've got coronavirus I then leave some of the virus on the magazine you're in next you sit down and pick up the same magazine that I've just put down. That's the reason why they're saying it's just too risky in any of those kind of situations uh, to have magazines but I think with the library it's going to be different and certainly what the libraries have been doing uh, so far uh, has done nothing to cause the spread thankfully of uh, COVID-19 and there will be a lot of people will be delighted to see the libraries reopen because many people have uh, certainly missed them. Okay, some of your texts into the programme. Sandy has come back to me. Thank you Sandy for your text. Sandy was on uh, and I wasn't dissing in any way your texts Sandy. Sandy was on uh, from West Cork talking about the amount of people who are not local to the area, people with Dublin accents, people with uh, accents from the United Kingdom, American accents and just worried about the numbers of people flying into this country and that people are flying into the United Kingdom and then they're coming into Ireland and doing it to avoid COVID-19 restrictions. And I was saying that it was a bit of an urban myth that there were these plane loads of tourists and people coming into this country because if you check with any of the airports and the airlines there's a very small proportion of flights firstly coming in and the ones that are coming in have very little on the actual planes. Small, uh, small numbers. Well Sandy is back to say uh, you do not need huge numbers in airports or, or 
car ferry ports either. And people have come here to West Cork from Europe and they could be spreading the virus. UK and USA holiday home owners arrived since lockdown. People with holiday homes came and they arrived just before last weekend, the bank holiday weekend. That's according to locals, said Sandy. Some said not all shoppers were using hand sanitizers on shop doors. Is that an urban myth? Says Sandy. No, I'm not saying that there are there are not some people who have broken the restrictions and are not abiding by the rules and, and regulations. Of course, we're always going to get the stupid people that are going to do their own thing regardless. When I said it was an urban myth, what I was talking about was large numbers coming in. Yes, unfortunately, there are people who have broken the restrictions and I, I don't know, what, what can you do about it? We had somebody on to us only last week who had rang the Gardaí uh, because she had spotted two holiday homes where families had arrived and the Gardaí were going down. Now, I don't know what became of it or what happened or whether the Gardaí were at, could ask somebody if it's a holiday home that they own, can they ask them to leave and go back home to where they came from? I don't know if that's part of the laws, if that's covered under the legislation or not because listening to Catherine Clancy talking about the house parties in Cork City when they called the guards, the guards weren't able to enter the house which, which surprised me. So uh, I don't know if you can actually go and knock on somebody's door and say you shouldn't be here go home but yes there are people arriving you would hope that they would abide by the two week self-isolation that they're asked to do at the moment we're not making that mandatory but you would hope that they would uh, do it Um, and have people arrived into tourist areas yes they have and all we can hope for is that they haven't got the virus I mean certainly there hasn't been a huge outbreak there hasn't been a huge outbreak of coronavirus in tourist areas so far. So that would lead us to believe that people are abiding by the restrictions and not coming. And those that are that have decided to breach the restrictions haven't brought uh, coronavirus uh, with them. But is it leading to nervousness that people in tourist areas? Yes, of course uh, it is, uh, Sandy. Thank you uh, for your text. And somebody who's backing you up is Mary in West Cork to say I was listening to Sandy's uh, point and it is right. My American neighbour turned up on Sunday and he got here via the United Kingdom. Personally, I think he has no respect for Irish citizens, says Mary in West Cork. Well, I would be having a chat with your American neighbour from a distance, social distance, keep yourself apart, Mary, and tell him he should be self-isolating for two weeks and hopefully he will. Uh, Mary, a different Mary says, uh, Patricia, when will our bingos when will our bingo be back? The 10th of August. Yes, it's down for the 10th of August as of now. It's the ending of the last phase, phase five of the lifting of the restrictions. Even though at the weekend, there seemed to be some kind of news coming through that some of what's planned for, say, phase three or phase four might get moved back. Um, now, we're going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to see how the numbers go this week because we're coming to the third week of phase one, the ending of phase one. And if everything goes the way it's going, hopefully we'll get to phase two on the 8th of June and maybe, maybe they'll be able to open up other services and businesses that wasn't, that they hadn't planned to open up in the second phase, but we won't know that until certainly the end of the week. I imagine Friday, it's usually Friday when they make all of those uh, announcements. And somebody else was saying there were 77 new cases of COVID-19 yesterday. Any idea how many of those were in the Cork area? No, they don't give the breakdown. They don't, and I know some people wish that they did. Some people would like to actually hear that the various towns, there was 10 cases in that town, there was five cases in that town, but they, they haven't been doing it that way. All we know is that the biggest bulk of the COVID-19 cases are in the Dublin area. They'll say the south, but that could be anywhere in the south. So no, you don't get the actual uh, breakdown of the numbers. The only thing is on those 77 new cases, 
we are keeping it under the 100 which is still good but it has gone up slightly over the weekend I think it was a 33 at one stage and it's gone up to 77 we've got to hope that that figure doesn't continue to uh, rise 1850 now a couple of other things different very different items coming into the uh, programme uh, Hi Patricia I just rang Aircom this morning our, land, our landline is not working and the person said that I spoke to says there will be a €150 charge for a call out. Is that normal? Um, Could you ask please? I have no idea. That seems rather expensive. A call out charge to fix a landline uh, that, yeah, I don't know what what the problem with the landline is. Anyway, let's let's see if others have been charged that. So a customer with Aircom Air as it is now Landline not working. Is that standard procedure that they charge €150 for a call-out charge to find out what's wrong with the landline and to sort out the problem? If anybody could uh, let us know if you've had a problem with air and you've had to have an engineer come out to fix the problem, were you charged €150 just by way of a call-out fee? And obviously if there's something wrong and it's your problem, do you have to pay extra as well? 1850-333-103. And George in Shannonvale, and funny enough, we were talking about Shannonvale earlier in West Cork, Shannonvale lost their temporary speed bumps and there's a kind of a campaign out to get permanent ones uh, put in place. George has been on with an unusual text saying, Hi, I'm trying to find the source of a mysterious humming noise, which is constant 24-7. It's particularly audible indoors and more so at night when it's very quiet. The pitch is about a guitar's A string, 110 hertz. Somebody in the musical industry will understand that more than I do. It's driving me crazy. Yours sincerely, George in Shannonvale. My my first thought when I read your text, George, I mean, and I'm assuming you've checked to see that it isn't something wrong with your hearing. It isn't like a tinnitus, because a humming sound or a ringing sound would lead, would you think is is a, tin, a tinnitus? But I'm assuming the fact that you've asked me to call it out that you've ruled out that it's nothing to do with your your hearing. Has anybody else in the Shannon Vale area of West Cork noticed a mysterious humming sound there all the time? but it appears to be louder at night when the whole area is quieter. If anybody can throw light on that, please do. 1850-333-103. And a Mitchellstown listener says, Morning Patricia, just wondering, uh, do you or any of the listeners know in the Mitchellstown area, when is the Bank of Ireland branch going to reopen? With the five kilometre rule, the other branches are over 10 or 12 kilometres away from Mitchellstown. What are customers to do? What if they need to lodge money to balance up for bills mid-month? for example, thanking you. And that's some listener in the Mitchellstown area. I know we contacted Bank of Ireland last week on behalf of a Mill Street listener because Mill Street was one of the other branches that also uh, temporarily closed due to the COVID-19 uh, restrictions and that the footfalls in there, not as many people are using the banks. And we were told they, are, they have still made no decision as of yet when they're going to reopen the branches. I did read a worrying article though in the paper last week that some people, some are fearful that the banks may use this as an excuse to close some of the branches. I hope they don't but there is the theory out there that they may use it uh, for that reason. So as of now they have no decision made on when they're going to reopen the branches that they closed because of COVID-19. The only thing I will say to you that if you have to travel outside the 10 or the 12 kilometre for essential reasons if you were stopped by the Gardaí what are you doing? You can explain 
the branch of Bank of Ireland is closed in Mill Street. I need to go to the nearest town, wherever the nearest branch is, and therefore I have to travel outside of the of the five kilometre rule. And that five kilometre rule goes to twenty, doesn't it, from next Monday? Isn't that part of phase two uh, as well? And um, if it's to lodge money, I take it that there isn't, the ATM machine won't allow you to lodge money. Obviously not if you're sending that text in to us. But fear not, if you needed to travel this week, you could travel and explain if you were stopped by the guard, explain why you were doing it. But no, as of now, nothing from Bank of Ireland as to when they're going to reopen those branches. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now a used clothes collection for Gaggen Hall Car Park will be taking place in Gaggen Hall. It's from next Monday the 8th of June from 7pm. Uh, please have your items ready for donation. They're looking for all types of used clothing, bags, shoes, belts, bed linen, curtains and good quality soft uh, to- toys. No duvets please, no pillows and no large plastic toys but they're ready to start collecting them next Monday I know people have been collecting them during lockdown uh, for Gaggen Hall Car Park next Monday at 7pm and Cope Foundation who support over 2,500 children and adults with an intellectual disability and autism in over 70 locations across Cork City and County they're fundraising by asking people to complete the five peaks in one one week challenge and you can do it anytime during this the month of June you can find out more by going to the website uh, copefoundation.ie and Castle Magna Community Development they are intending to publish a collection of stories poems etc from bygone years and they're asking their elderly community to recall stories and events which they've witnessed over the years they're especially interested in historical events for example memories of the War of Independence which an older relative may have witnessed or been told about are that you can recall yourself. Please put your memories down on paper and members of the Community Development Association will be in touch. If you'd like more details, you can give Mary O'Sullivan a call Castle Magna Community Development on 086 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And the Aircom charge. Colm and Botfint says the €150, this was the listener who has the landlines gone out of action and uh, Air are saying it'll be 150 for the call-out charge. Uh, Colm says €150 is a standard call-out charge if the fault is on your property. If it's on the road, it's their problem and you wanted to pay the €150. And Donald and Canturk had to call out Air to his mum's phone the handset was crackling uh, he was told same thing if the fault on the line uh, that they could fix it if the fault was in the phone then there would be a €150 call out charge so that's the reason for that and George with the buzzing sound in Shannon Vale Nancy in West Cork says she could hear a large or a loud buzzing sound around her house last week which was driving her absolutely nuts as well she eventually tracked it down to her chest freezer the sun was shining in on it and it was running constantly to counteract uh, the heat. Uh, so get George to check that it isn't something like that, that an appliance that is just constantly running and that's why in the quiet of the night the noise sounds uh, louder. Thank you for that uh, Nancy. Now as many people have more time in their hands during lockdown, some have decided to use that free time to research their family history. So to help people out Skibbereen Heritage Centre has put up over 15,000 genealogical records on their website free of charge to find out more. Terry Carney of the Skibbereen Heritage Centre joins me. Good morning to you, Terry. 
Good morning, Patricia. Thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to tell people about this. Well, you're very welcome. Now, they're burial registrars. Just outline what information is available. Sure. Their burial register is kindly made available to us by Cork County Council and they cover the greater West Cork area all the way from Allihees east to Clonakilty. And as I said, 35 uh, graveyards up there so far. So they are mostly late 19th century and into the 20th century uh, registers of deaths. And these were not available before, previous to this. So it's giving people an opportunity to find where their ancestors were buried and identify graves and know when they were buried and who was the re- who registered them there as well. It's quite important information. And how far back do some of the records go? They go late 19th century and into the 20th century. Oh, okay. And what other records have you available on your website? Um, well, we've been, people are fascinated. We've been doing a lot with graveyards over the years because we've got a huge response every time we've done something. Now, we surveyed a dozen historic graveyards some years ago, and then we started putting signs up at the graveyards, again, supported by Cork County Council with the results of those surveys. But the new thing we're doing, which is getting a great interest, is we're doing little video tours of historic graveyards. And there's fantastic stories about really interesting people in these um, graveyards. And so the idea is we we go to one of the mostly medieval graveyards, do a tour around, tell a few of the stories of the interesting people that are buried there, and then just give a little quick tour of a flavour of the headstones and and the the graveyard site itself. Okay, I I don't know what it is with me, and and people accuse me of being morbid, but I have a huge fascination with uh, graveyards. And whenever I visit anywhere, in matter any country I go to, if I see an old graveyard, I'm in over the wall straight away. I just love to walk around graveyards and read the inscriptions on on the tombs. So I was watching your videos with very keen interest uh, over the weekend. Your one on uh, Abbey Story and the the famine uh, pits, Goodness, what a dreadful era those poor people lived through. Oh, sure, we have no idea of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm studying this and researching it for more than 20 years. Um, but, you know, I went to that graveyard that morning at five o'clock to try and get a nice few shots. And just when you walk around again, it's still so shocking. You know, there's 10,000 people there and buried in such an awful way. And what they endure before they got there. Um and Tom Gearan's story, you know, I put that one in. But there's this is the man who rose from the dead. Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell Tom's story. Well, Tom, Tom is one of many. You know, the, the, the burials were so ad hoc; they were they were so sad. You know, people didn't have the strength to bury their loved ones, and quite often they brought them and just left them there. And quite often there was a well, there was a, a thing called a death cart that they had that they used to tr- come down through Skibreen and just pick up the empty bodies. There were, or sorry, the dead bodies, I should say. They were very, very worried about contagion and they were very worried about, um, there was a big problem with wild pigs and dogs and so on. So they were very concerned about picking up bodies. And quite often, if you were cold on the side of the road, you were picked up and you weren't dead at all. You know, there was, we came across quite a few incidences. But Tom was a very famous one because he was, in his own words, a character. Um, and Tom died, or they thought he died, in 1848 when he was just three years of age. And he was brought over on the famous death cart over to these open pits. And he was he was put into the pit. And as the grave diggers were trying to straighten out the bodies and make more space, they were hammering them down with a shovel. And they gave this little boy a belt on the legs. And he gave out a small cry and they realised he was alive. 
And they took him out and he lived until 1910. Now, he was very lucky because we came across another one that wasn't taken out, but that's another story. Um, but Tom's knees or his hips were damaged, most likely his knees. And he was, again, in the, in the voice of the time, he was, in his own words, a cripple. So he was a very clever man because he couldn't work to earn his own living. So he capitalised on the fact that he was a man who had risen from the dead. And he'd travel around all the towns and villages reciting poetry and doing a little song and dance with the broken knees. And he's really well remembered for that purpose. But it, but it does mean, Terry, that there were people buried alive. Almost oh, definitely. As I said, now we've come across quite a few accounts because, you know, there was only one dispensary doctor to cover a huge area, you know, if, and particularly the winter of 1846 and 1847 was bitterly cold. So if you were cold and the man collecting the bodies was paid a shilling a body, you know, so his the onus was on him to collect the bodies. And no coffins, just all... No, the craters, no, no, a lot of them, like there's some, and, and people were really, even in the midst of all of this, they were so concerned about the respect of dead, for the dead, you know, and there was one I came across actually out near where I live, out in Affadown, um, the beginning of the story was in the Illustrated London News, they visited this hut, Harrington's hut, anyway, I followed the story because it an incredible reporter from from the Cork Examiner, as it was at the time, Jeremiah O'Callaghan, visited. And in very briefly, the story was this man's brother died. And, sorry, first of all, his sister died. I beg your pardon. His sister died, and he didn't have the strength to carry her in to the pits. And he had no money, and he buried her in the garden. And a week later, his brother died, and the neighbours felt you know, so sorry for him at this stage and they looked, they clubbed together and bought some kind of an old deal coffin for him. And what did the man do? He, they helped him and they put, he put the brother into the coffin and they took him into the pit but he insisted on taking the brother out of the coffin and came back out to Affadown and dug up his sister and put her in the coffin and oh. brought her back in, you know, wow. and there's time after time reports of that, you know, it's a very moving one about Widow Keating as well, she went to Dr. Dan Donovan several times, one after the other of her children were, were, were dying, and he buried some of them for her. And the last one, you know, she came and said, and he said, look, I've, I've, I've given you money for all these other burials, and, you know, I can't give you any more money. And he felt sorry about it afterwards. He, he writes about this very movingly in his own accounts. And when he went up to the house, you know, he gave her a shilling or whatever, but he said he wasn't going to help her with the burial. He told her to get food rather than bury her child. And when he went up to the house afterwards, he felt sorry and, you know, had remorse and went up to the house. And she bought a coffin with the shilling and both she and the child were dead outside of the house. She didn't. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, what they survived, the, those who did survive, when you, when you look about what we're struggling through uh, at the moment, particularly with regard to families not able to have traditional uh, funerals, but then when you look at what those poor people went through during the famine, it's just it was cruel beyond beyond uh, cruel. Anyway, they're, they're they're absolutely fantastic videos that you've up online, and you've plans to do more graveyard tours when lockdown ends. Absolutely, I've yes. been concentrating on the local ones, obviously because of the five kilometre limit. Okay, but we will be bringing these around because there's a huge interest in them internationally as well. 
And at the end, if you've seen them, like we, we talk about some of the interesting characters in the graveyards, but we just do a little short tour and you can pause that and just look at the yeah. various different headstones great. as well. But no plan to extend it, hopefully throughout West Cork. You you've, you're doing great. You're doing great work. And how are you surviving? How's the Heritage Centre surviving lockdown? Well, it's very difficult for us because we miss our visitors so much. I know. You know, it's, it's dreadful. And we're getting lovely emails from people and we have a big following on social media, which is fantastic. But we're getting little lonesome emails from people just saying, you know, you know, we, there's a regular cohort of people come at the same time every year from America and from Britain and you know, and uh, we're getting lots of emails saying we miss you. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? Yeah, yeah. No, and we're we're doing, Margaret, our genealogist, is in contact with a lot of people all the time. And we're doing little virtual tours, um, a blog as well of Skibbereen Town, going around street by street, telling the story of the various buildings and so on. So that's kind of connecting the diaspora as well. We're getting a lovely reaction to that as well. But we can't wait to be open and see people again. And they're going to get such a welcome. Patricia. And please God, sooner rather than later. Terry, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for that. We'll talk again. Thank but thanks for joining much. us. Good morning Thank to you. you. Bye bye. Terry Carney there of the Skibreen Heritage uh, Centre. Check out those videos. Really are fantastic uh, to watch that up on YouTube. But if you go into their own website, which is Skib heritage.com 1850-333-103 And a quick few answers just in on some texts. Patricia, what is 20 kilometres in miles because we're able to go 20 kilometres from next uh, Monday. 20 kilometres in miles is about 12 and a half 12 and a half uh, miles. Somebody says, Hi Patricia, I thought the hairdressers were opening on the 29th of June. No, it's the 20th of July, but hairdressers are pushing to open on the 20th of June, but as of now, it's still the 20th of July. And Patricia, can I get my uh, dog groomer to cut my dog's hair? Uh, Yes, we covered that a couple of weeks ago, particularly if it's an animal rights issue in this warm weather, some of the dogs do need a trim. So just contact your dog groomer and they will arrange an individual appointment. Joe Heffernan uh, joins me. How's your hair doing? Doing, Joe? <laughs> no, Patricia. Not wonderful. Is it not? No. Is Mary no, cutting I, I it? I did a bit of a self job, you did know. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Would yeah. you not leave Mary at it? Well, I, I did. I, I in the bathroom, I just got my machine and I went <laughs> a bit to town in it. Uh, Mary describes the style as gapped. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll. But she won't let me go near hers. <laughs> Well, if you've if your own is gapped, I would say steer well clear of Mary's. And uh, well, you see, tis gapped at the back where I couldn't see it. Oh God! <laughs> oh, there's some people coming out of lockdown with the strangest haircuts imaginable. Right, no, right. Now the good thing about coming out of lockdown from next Monday, you and other councillors, you're open again for business in the traditional sense. Isn't this wonderful? Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to actually see a real life person. Um, yeah, um, from next Monday, I'm back in my office working with people. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I have a grand big office, so there's no problem with social distancing. Um, it's on the top of a hill without a house within a half a mile. And uh, so uh, it is very well ventilated, which we find out to our cost whenever there's a storm. And... Uh, yeah, I bought some plastic chairs. Um, now, they're comfortable, but they're plastic. So they're very easily and efficiently deep cleaned when a person leaves because there's no fabric on them. Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll have, I have all the, the um, you know... The, Hand the sanitizers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, naturally I have um, sanitizer and 
uh, I I have a, a boxes of gloves. If anybody feels that they'd like to wear gloves, I can supply them and masks as well if they're requested. You know, because you have great. been you have been dealing with uh, you and and other councillors. You've been dealing with clients over the phone and emailing and. I have, yeah. and I've done quite a lot of HSE work um, okay. over the last couple of months. Now, I've always done that, but, um, yeah, um, and uh, I'm I'm very pleased to have been able to do that. And um, uh, the phone, uh, you know, it works very well. Um, a follow-up email will say that resilience came up, or we'll say... I would have a lot of ICISF stuff for frontline workers and that, and um, I, I I emailed that on after the session. Uh, but um, I don't, you know, I I think there's nothing like actually meeting a person. Face but it's been a hell of a lot better than nothing. It's yeah. uh, it's worked very well. People actually, the feedback has been extremely positive. Do you expect to see a spike in calls? people looking for help? I would because I work a lot in the region of post-traumatic stress. It's 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 an area that I, I, I teach that course in UCC as I often said to you. So I think there will be, no I'm not talking about post-traumatic stress disorder because if you deal with post-traumatic stress and if the intervention is timely it can prevent uh, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. So I think there'll be quite a lot of that after this. Um, even when I look at my own life there, I, I think, my God, the changes are kind of dramatic. And, um, you know, they're, uh, it's going to be very hard to adjust. Um, I drove my car recently and, you know, I found it a bit strange. Um uh, imagine just driving the car because it had been quite a while. Um, things like that, things that are very, very um, um, normal in the ordinary course of life uh, have become just a little bit strange. I think we're looking at other people in a strange kind of a way. Mm. Um, you know, uh, the you know, the normal the norm would be, you know, shake hands, clap on the shoulder, how you doing, haven't seen you for a while. Now it's like, stand back. Um, so I think we'll take an awful lot of adjusting back um, when this whole thing is over. Yeah, and I think people who've gone through bereavement oh, during, during yeah. lockdown, yeah. Uh, I think are yeah. going to, some, uh, yeah. are going to need services like yours and I, and I would be the first one to say to somebody go have a chat with somebody like yeah. Joe go talk with uh, a counsellor and actually when I mentioned you were coming on the programme earlier somebody was we were talking about the programme Normal People I don't know if you've, if you've oh, watched, yeah. Yeah, watched yeah, that seen, yeah. have you seen it yeah um, but it, what was great about that programme was it showed when Connell was yeah. going through yeah. dealing with the death by suicide of his friend yeah. how he went for counselling and how the counselling helped which was terrific that that, that got shown on, on such a popular TV programme. Absolutely. And it showed very much how he got deeply in touch with his own feelings. Yeah. Um, uh, which uh, I, I thought that was excellent, really. Um, I thought it was one of the better parts of the whole series, um, touching on that subject of um, bereavement after suicide.
I, I, I did indeed, yeah. And I heard him, Paul Meskell, the actor, saying that the day they filmed that, uh, like he knew that the filming of that was coming up and he'd said to them, can we do that in one block over one day? Because he was dreading doing it because he knew how emotional it was going to be. And they managed to film all his really intense scenes. They managed to do it all in one day because he'd said he was using his acting skills but touching on what had happened in real life. He had lost yes. a, f- a friend... Yeah. during his teenage years bless yeah. his heart and that's why he's doing the fundraising for Pieta House so it's, it was, there was a bit of life coming out in, in it for him as well yeah. um, and we're, we, we've been talking uh, last week we touched and we're, we, we touched on it and we're talking about it again today about this whole thing of the building blocks of self-esteem when people are in lockdown and you know these restrictions that are on people it's just it's not normal the way we're living our lives and that can have a damaging effect on our self-esteem absolutely on how we see ourselves because basically when we talk about self-esteem um to a great degree we are talking about how do i see myself am i an okay person um this that or the other thing and the building blocks being a sense of security identity belonging purpose and competence take security that has taken a fair old denting because um one of the biggest uh, uh, enemies i suppose to our um sense of well-being during all this is fear in other words like our sense of security our sense of safety has been well dented um uh, during this thing um and uh, that's why I, I think um, that, uh, you know, if it was raining very heavily outside, we would come in and that would uh, that would protect us from that. And I think in the COVID-19 um, sense um, that we need to just simply follow the guidelines and that will give us a sense of security. In other words, like, don't be taking unnecessary chances. Now, I'm not saying that we should, um, yeah, I won't mention the C word. Yeah, um, please be- don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, uh, we we need to, you know, we need to kind of, um, within common sense, I think one of the greatest things in life is common so that um, uh, I, I could identify with the um, with the speaker there um, or the texter earlier about um, you know uh, yeah I, I Philip, say Philip, so, who, Philip who was, yeah Philip and, who was um, who was emailing that, um, us and he's just finding it really difficult yeah yeah and a lot of people are finding it really difficult they are and I look to be honest about it those of us who live out in the country are at a huge advantage in that in the sense that I, during all the cocooning if I wanted to go for a 10 mile walk I would meet no one yeah absolutely yeah. no other living person so I could use my common sense and say if I want to go for a walk no problem but then if I was living in the centre of a, of a city or a town even um I I would I would not have that um, luxury. Uh, freedom. Yeah, 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 that luxury. Yeah. And from next week, the older people are allowed out to go out into shops, and but again, yeah. people need to be sensible. Absolutely, to use the head um, at all times, um, and uh, and if you find that you're uncomfortable, if other people are not um, adhering to 
the ordinary common sense rules like social distancing, well then it would be very advisable to abandon that shopping trip and come back another time when you'd feel more comfortable. Yeah, for you, yeah, just move, just move away. And it's like we were giving that advice on Friday. If you go somewhere and there's a lot of people, everybody decides to do the same thing at the same time, then just go home or go somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, our sense of identity, the second building block of the self-esteem. Well, I mean, I suppose you could say that um, that there are the basic elements of um, identity are our personal identity, our family identity, and our social identity. Now, our personal identity consists of like how we see ourselves, our beliefs, and our values. That won't change, um, one presumes, on account of any COVID-19. Family ID, I think, has been hit a bit in the sense that um, there was a time there that we hadn't seen any of our boys uh, in Cork um, for uh, two months, which had really never happened before. Um, It's a bit pathetic, but I was looking forward to having a scan that I needed to have, a medical thing, uh, in Cork, which afforded us the idea as we passed, um, again, at a safe distance, to say a hi, and at least to to see. Now, we'd normally be a huggy family, yeah. but um, it felt strange to have to stand back. So a family ID would be um, that little bit um, damaged, I suppose. And the social ID then... You know, community, meeting up, going to the cinema, going to shows, meeting up with people and especially work. Because yeah. And the uh, and, I, and I've, we've got to wrap it up there, but I can see the amount of people like are missing out in the bingo. The bingo is so important yeah. to so many. We'll talk yeah. again next week. Best of luck on Monday. Absolutely. And we'll talk next Tuesday. Take care, Joe's Telephone number is 029 That's really for today. Thanks to Bernie and Sadie. We're back with you tomorrow at 10. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.